0: It's the 15th of December, and welcome once again to Here Comes Christmas
1: from Paul and Rachel. Hello.
0: Fifteenth of December. So Christmas is hurtling towards us like an express train with its lights on.
1: Well, I'm not quite sure why you're so excited about it, Paul, because (laughs) really we're gonna have a very quiet Christmas
0: this year. I was just trying to get some enthusiasm there. A bit of a a kind of a Boris type analogy. I thought that was uh, Oh right. Okay. Okay. Hurtling, All right. So um, we're going to look back in history to the 15th of December in years gone by. And what uh, notable events can we...
1: Well, we've got a couple of musical events, actually. And I was talking a few days ago about how uh, composers very often used to do premieres just before Christmas. And today marks the premiere in 1893 of Dvořák's New World Symphony. Pretty good work, isn't it?
0: Very good, Excellent. if you're a Hovis fan.
1: Well, yes, I was going to start by saying that because I suppose a lot of listeners may say, oh, I don't know the New World Symphony and I'm not into classical music. But if you are of a certain age, you will certainly remember the Hovis ad on telly in, when was it, the 1970s? Oh,
0: before my time, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's taken from the slow movement of the symphony. Um, Vorjak was was a very interesting character, and he was born in Bohemia and in a place that was now the Czech Republic. And he couldn't earn a living out of making music. Mm -hmm. Been a lot of musicians like that, haven't there, really? Yeah. And so he took a job in America in charge of the National Conservatory of America um, teaching, and he missed his homeland. Missed it dreadfully. And this was at a time when composers blended melodies Mm -hmm. from their different countries. And so he combined the uh, Bohemian folk songs along with Afro American folk songs. So we also have a little bit of Swing Low Sweet Chariot within the symphony. Uh And then he was also inspired by the poem, but the song of Hiawatha. Right. So he uses some Native American ideals in there as well.
0: Good mix of cultures.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a really cool work.
0: I think he would be pleased to have his classic FM royalties these days. It seems to be played every day on
1: one oh way <laughs> yes. or another. Yes. Yeah, I don't really listen to classic FM. You will listen to it more than I do. And
0: eh? Oh, right. I see, my dear. <laughs> okay, You're more of a Radio 3 person, are you? Right. <laughs> It also turns up in pedigree pet food adverts as well.
1: Oh, really? I wouldn't know that. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, what other musical notable things happened?
1: Well, Glenn Miller, your father would have been very sad on this day because this is the day that Glenn Miller took off to play in a concert in Paris. He took off from London, and he never arrived, and his body has never been found. It was just presumed that the plane went down in thick fog. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was—he was a cool chap as well. Wasn't he was he? An a excellent bit musician.
0: You may not realize how popular he was. He, he had, in the space of the four years, early four years of the war, he actually had sixteen number one. Record really? releases mm-hmm. and, and about 64 top 10 entries altogether. So his hits were more numerous than the Beatles or Elvis, um, put together.
1: Wow. Mm. And it was such an exciting sound, wasn't mm. it? And it was. An exciting time for dancing. I mean, we think about Strictly, don't we, on mm-hmm. at the moment. But this was at a time when it, everybody was doing their boogie boogies and their foxtrots and quick steps and everything. And it was just something that everybody did. Yeah, he bridged
0: that gap between jazz and popular music. In fact, a lot of jazz musicians d- didn't really rate him very much because they thought he was too disciplined and too clean cut. Um, but that was part of his success. He had. He was really very disciplined with all his musicians, and they rehearsed them like crazy to get this sound. And uh, he found this very unique sound, didn't he? Of blending a clarinet with the lead saxophone, uh, and harmonizing his other saxophones in the section in a very tight cluster. That was really what gave him his unique sound. Everybody knew a Glenn Miller tune when they heard it straight away.
1: It's a lovely film, isn't there, with James Stewart?
0: Apparently yes. a complete work of fiction, so I understand. Oh, is that? Yeah. Oh, you,
1: you're such a downer. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah. uh, we've, got,
0: we've got a bit of big band music, haven't we?
1: We have. This is hilarious. <laughs> so we once had a dog called Trevor...
0: A dog called Trevor. Just note note (laughs) that, people.
1: Who was a lovely Airedale. He came from the RSPCA in Leicester.
0: So in a musical sense, what was special about Trevor?
1: Ah, right. We decided that we would write a musical about Trevor being... In the stable at the time when Jesus was born. Yes,
0: we were desperate for an, a new take on the nativity story. So we thought, <laughs> what hasn't been featured? How about an Airedale dog? <laughs> so this school in Leicestershire put on this production for us and we, it was a all singing, all dancing affair. And we finished the whole show with a song that we called Trevor's Finale. And the goal was to try to get the lyrics of every other Christmas carol we knew into the lyric.
1: (laughs) It is quite mad,
0: isn't it? So this is a big band production. It isn't exactly Glenn Miller, but uh, of Trevor's finale with children from the production. Here we go.
1: I do think that's such fun. And do you remember at the end of the performance, Trevor made a grand entrance? He did. And was presented with a box of Bonios. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, moving on, we've now got a poem, which is a bit of an ode to the Christmas dinner. So we, of course, will be enjoying our vegan Christmas nut roast or something along those lines. But for those of you with a more traditional bent on Christmas, uh, the problem is, what do you do with all that turkey over the 12 days of Christmas?
2: (laughs) Here's a few ideas
0: from Colin and
2: Hazel. 12 Days of Turkey.
3: On the first day of Christmas, my true love said to me, I'm glad we bought a turkey and a proper Christmas tree.
2: On the second day of Christmas, much laughter could be heard as we tucked into turkey, a most delicious bird.
3: On the third day of Christmas, we friends in from next door. The turkey tasted just as good as on the day before.
2: On the fourth day of Christmas, Gran came, she's rather old. We finished up the Christmas pud and ate the turkey cold.
3: On the fifth day of Christmas outside, the snowflakes flurried, but we were nice and warm inside. We ate the turkey,
2: carried. On the sixth day of Christmas, the turkey spirit died. The children fought and bickered, and we ate the turkey, fried.
3: On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave a wince, when he sat down to dinner and was given turkey mince.
2: On the eighth day of Christmas, the dog ran off for shelter. I served up turkey pancakes and a glass of Elkisheltzer.
3: On the ninth day of Christmas, poor Dad began to cry. He said he couldn't stand the strain of eating turkey pie.
2: On the tenth day of Christmas the air was rather blue and everyone grumbled at eating turkey stew. On
3: the eleventh day of Christmas the Christmas tree was moulting, mince pies as hard as rock and the turkey quite revolting.
2: On the twelfth day of Christmas at last Dad smacked his lips. The guests had gone, the turkey too. We dined on fish and chips.
1: Oh, thank you, Colin and Hazel. Right, we're going to talk about building a business in 2020. Mm-hmm. You have to be quite brave to do that, don't you? Yeah. To embark on something when all others around you are sort of falling by the wayside. But
0: for a lot of folk, it's more of a necessity, isn't it? I mean, you folks that are losing jobs go out there and build a business yourself.
1: Yeah. So we'd like to introduce Zoe to you. And Zoe lives just up the lane from us. She decided just five weeks ago to open her own business. And her idea was to be creative with resin. Had you heard of resin before, Paul? No.
0: Tell us about
4: resin. Oh,
1: <gasps> Well, it seems to be just an amazing substance. And I've looked at quite a few websites and they can make incredible coffee tables, full size tables. And the great thing about it is anything that you make out of resin, every single item is completely unique.
0: Very flexible substance. It far, is. Yeah. Okay, okay it so is, what I does see. what does Zoe actually make?
1: Well, she started off by making Christmas decorations. She'll tell us all about this, and she she can do it in different colours, and each, each piece that she makes is individual.
0: But it's a year-round business because you can make all kinds of things.
1: Yes, absolutely. People are always wanting gifts, they're always wanting special things and little treats for themselves as well.
0: OK, let's listen to Zoe.
5: I've always been a creative person so it was it was just kind of finding a bit different that's not too saturated out there so i came up with with the resin idea and it's actually my boyfriend that named
1: it wrangle resins and it's a perfect name isn't it so we should actually say that you're on the wrangle very close to where we live just above compton martin and we were just saying that we have the most magnificent view in the world don't we
5: we really do. And I mean, you can't, you can't complain doing something you love, being creative and looking over Tree Valley Lake every day. I mean, it's lovely. I, d- I, I just love creating new things. Um, So so resin comes in sort of a, a liquid form. It sets hard like a plastic. So I make all sorts from it. Um, I started off with Christmas decorations, obviously being very timely, sort of starting in November. I make coasters, serving boards, little kind of stocking fillery type gifts of, you know, dinosaurs and lions and all sorts um and and little signs as well so sort of like home signs or family signs or everything i do um can be customized it's lovely
1: though isn't it because i think a lot of people have got very lazy over the lockdown and have just gone to amazon for everything So, so to find something that is completely unique is quite a rarity isn't it
5: yeah and and with the the nature of resin it's very very difficult to recreate something twice the thing i do is is a a one-of-a-kind piece really just due to the nature of resin i mean it it sometimes it works in your favor sometimes it's really against you have you got a website i have got an etsy page um i don't have a have a a dedicated website myself but i have got an instagram a facebook um, and an etsy shop so
1: so what would people put in to find you um so wrangle resins
5: is is my name Um, it's slightly different depending on on which uh platform you're on but but if you're on etsy it's just wrangle resins all one word uh capital w and capital r um instagram it is wrangle underscore resins wrangle resins should hopefully find me
1: people listening could be listening anywhere in the world and they could be thinking 2020 has been just the most dreadful year ever and I need to do something with myself. How easy has it been for you to set up an online business like this?
5: It's it's had its challenges as you can probably imagine Um, but in the same way it has been fairly easy. I think with With social media and the internet nowadays, you can do pretty much everything from from your home. So I sat down just on a Saturday afternoon, and and just in that Saturday afternoon, I'd managed to set up my Facebook, my Instagram and my Etsy shop.
1: People who could have lost their jobs, it's possible to have an idea and go with it. And as you said, set up all your social media stuff during an afternoon. And for them, if they've got that dedicated time, then they can go with it and create it even faster than you when you're holding down a full-time job.
5: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I would just say the key is do your research, really. Um, Have a look what is out there already that's that's similar to you, different to you, and just try and find something that's a little bit more niche. I mean, obviously, I understand it's probably going to be rare for you to come up with a brand spanking new idea that nobody's ever done before but even researching shops that do similar things so you can take tips from them but maybe try and make what you do slightly different I think is quite important so I definitely before I, I launched anything I spent a good week just scrolling through different shops different social medias and having a little look at what people were doing already and try and find where I could fit in
1: but we have got that time haven't we most people are going to have time off over Christmas and yeah. they can really start thinking and perhaps planning what they'd like to do with 2021
5: yeah definitely and I, I I mean it was daunting like it would be for anybody to kind of actually put what you do out there and see if people would would want to buy it I mean it is, it is daunting but at the same time that feeling when you get a little sell I mean Etsy makes this amazing cha-ching sound so when, when that goes I I do a little dance around the living
4: room
1: Many thanks to Zoe. I think she's a great inspiration to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, it takes courage to start any business, really, but especially at this time. So that's really great.
1: Yeah, but there are always opportunities, aren't there, Mm -hmm. out there? Right, it's time for the Reverend Simon Lewis, who is going to take another verse from St Luke's Gospel, telling us all about the Nativity.
6: Today's reading is verse 11 of chapter 2 a statement of hope but not just for the shepherds To you a saviour was born The question I ask is what is the word that tells the shepherds what the good news is? Is it what you thought yesterday? Why is this word good news? Here's my take Yesterday, I talked about the difference between wishing about us trying to control what is happening around us and not being able to, and hope, trusting in promises made and being fulfilled because of letting go of our need to control everything. To you, a saviour was born. The shepherds had heard from childhood that God promised to send a saviour to set their nation free. This was the promise of the scripture, and now in front of them was an awesome wonder, an angel with precisely the answer to the promise. Put two and two together, and who would not be shaken to the core and start remembering what you have been taught? Wow, has it really happened? Are we going to be saved? People of faith seek to have their hearts ignited with the fire of spirit. The shepherds on that hillside on that night were no different. A child is being born who is going to be our savior, going to save us. Like Elizabeth, like Mary, the shepherds had faith in the hope of a promise to be fulfilled. And they put their trust in that promise and waited. Ordinary Elizabeth, most of her adult life. Ordinary Mary, as a child, and the ordinary shepherds as outcasts from ordinary society. They had a simple faith of waiting for and trusting in the promise. They did not need or probably want to control the outcome. They let it be as it would be, waited open-mindedly, a radical attitude to have about life, open to all possibilities Trusting something will happen that is far, far beyond our own imaginings. And I think we must do that too. Wait. Actively present to the moment. Trusting that new things will happen to us. New things that are far beyond our imagination, fantasy or prediction. And in that waiting, let God work with us, ordinary people, to define our lives trusting that God moulds us according to God's love and not according to our fear that indeed is a very radical stance towards life in a world preoccupied with control Hmm, but hey, I could indeed be wrong
0: Thanks to Simon. And that's all for today. Uh, we've got to nip off down to the post office now. To we- post some Christmas cards. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, which reminds me. Yes. What did the Christmas card say to the stamp?
1: I don't know, Paul. What did the Christmas card say to the stamp?
0: He said, stick with me and we'll go blazes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, they get <laughs> worse, don't they? Uh, yes, they do. <laughs> Right. OK, folks, thanks very much.
1: Love you and leave you, and we'll see you tomorrow. OK, bye for now. Bye-bye.